0: Come on. The strong, the powerful Judy Ryan has returned to Money Savage. Welcome back, Judy.
1: George, I'm so happy to hang out with you this morning. Thank you.
0: Yeah, yeah, excited to hang out with you. Judy is an author. She is a consultant, a trainer, a coach, a speaker, and the CEO of Lifework Systems. And again, Back on Money Savage, excited to have you back on. Judy, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do.
1: I'm always hesitant to say this about my personal life. I'm a mom, but I'm also a grandmother of nine grandchildren. <laughs> it makes me sound like ma Kettle. Uh, but I've been, <laughs> I was born and raised in St. Louis, and um, I do a lot of hiking and walking in the in nature. I live purposely by a lake complex in Maryland Heights called Crevecore Lake. and. Um, I'm an avid reader of all different kinds of things, and a lot of psychology and business, but also you know, suspense and science fiction. And um, I love to present and write, so I have two columns that I write, and I have a published book, and as you know, I'm gonna be doing my own podcast with you soon. Yeah. So, some of the things that I'm doing. But the thing I would want people to know most about me is that my mission is to create a world where people love their lives. And right now it doesn't feel like a lot of people are loving their life, but that's truly what drives the car for me in my life, is to remember that and to bring myself back to that. So uh, I think when I discovered what that mission was, I've always been that person, even when I was a little kid. So, So that's a little about me.
0: I love it. And with everything going on, and with with your mission being to help people love their lives, how do you how do you sort of on is it with each organization you that, that that you're working with are 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 you digging in to figure out what the major pain points are for the employees and then to kind, kind kind of remedy that? It's like how do you start peeling the onion?
1: Well, I f- I feel like um, the way that I do it is probably not always immediately focused on the pain points per se, but it's more about uh, well, it is and it, it isn't. It's more about helping introduce to people a new onion. You said peel back the onion. A lot of us, uh, a lot of people that we work with don't even realize what they don't know that they don't know. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I mean, even if you look at the nature of what's happening right now in our country, um, it's a system problem. And people talk about it that way, they say we need systemic change, but they don't really know what system needs to be dismantled and what systems need to be put in place. So. Part of what we do is educate people on a system that many of them have not heard of or they've heard of it but they don't know how to implement, that sort of thing. So um, typically they don't come to us unless they have a problem or or they are doing well and they wanna make sure they continue to do well. So that's a little bit about how we approach. Usually they find us because they're looking for how do I improve my culture or how do I retain more of my people that kind of thing.
0: Like We don't know exactly what's wrong, just that something is wrong.
1: (laughs) It's broken and it needs to be fixed. I just uh, wrote an article a couple months ago called Pulling Out All the Roots, because one of my own people called me and said, you need to get into the police departments and fix them, you know? Mm. And my response was, don't you remember how we do this? We don't do this by just focusing on one group. We really focus on all of the stakeholders Like if I was working with the police, I would work with all the local politicians and churches and community groups and help them all learn a new system together because it's not really one group's fault. It's a system that's causing lots of problems for a lot of people. So that's one way we do it that's a little bit different. Even when we go into a company, a lot of times the companies think that I'm just gonna work with the senior team. I'm like, oh no, 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 no. We're gonna work from CEO all the way down to frontline staff. So, um, a lot of times what's happening is we're, we keep trying to remedy what's on the surface, but not what's under the surface. And that's the real thing that if it doesn't change, we will continue to get the same results.
0: This episode is brought to you by Money Alignment Academy. If you are looking for a financial wellness platform for your company, your organization, and your employees, check out moneyalignmentacademy.com. Or click on the link in the notes of the show. That sounds. That sounds. It sounds really common sense. It sounds super smart, right? So, why don't we do that? Is it? Is it because it's too hard?
1: I don't. I don't know that it is common sense to the common community. Um, there's an evolution of human systems right now and a lot of people think they've seen it all they've tried it all and that there's nothing new and I'm not saying that what we're doing is completely new it's just never been mainstream so it it is common sense but until people recognize what's actually causing the problem they don't know what to discard and so they even if they bring in new ideas they build them on top of a foundation that's faulty Um, a lot of what I do is focus on what causes a breakdown inside people and inside teams and organizational groups? What is that set of conditions that causes that problem? And for many people, they don't realize that the deepest problem that we face is humiliation and a sense of um, a challenge to our our sense of um, worthiness. When we recognize that, then we can make changes in a system. But until we see that the system itself perpetuates humiliation, we'll continue to have systems that perpetuate humiliation. And the more humiliated people become, the more misbehaving they become, which then reinforces in the minds of a lot of authority, well, now we need to use more of the same of what we've been doing, which is just a vicious cycle. I don't know if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it certainly, I, I think that it does. And I'm reticent like everything that my brain wants to do is 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 to come up with analogies to this and that's not necessarily what I should be doing. But if you look at problems like like, like law enforcement or, or homelessness, I think that those are probably good analogies because the problem is not getting better, it's getting worse and worse and worse. Is 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 that evidence of it's it's the humiliation piece that i am in a position where i'm at risk of homelessness and then i fall into homelessness and it just it's like a death spiral
1: no i think it's bigger than that it's why do we have homelessness to begin with You know, it's more like that question. Like, I don't know. I love analogies, by the way. Like When I wrote uh, Ripping Out All the Roots, it reminded me of when my dad used to teach me how to garden. He'd say, don't just pull the roots off at the level of the dirt, you know, because they're just going to grow back. So when I um, think about homelessness as an example, I don't know if you follow Dan Price, but he is a perfect example of a system change. He was the guy who worked for Gravity Payments, who decided that he researched and found that if everyone makes at least $70,000 or more, that they can be more service oriented and help you know, be, create a better company. So he took money out of his own coffers to make sure every single person made a minimum of $70,000. And what happened is they tripled their business. And he he's so adored that his employees all went together and bought him a Tesla. I mean, they they really love him. So in my mind, that's a successful business person. And what happened is beyond that, he when they got bigger, they moved into a neighborhood where there was a lot of homelessness and they started to work within the larger community to apply certain ways of operating so that they could rid that area of homelessness. And even right now in the pandemic, he asked all of his employees to, uh, work with him to figure out how they could extend the life of the company through the pandemic rather than laying people off. And they all collaborated on pay cuts and things that they were willing to do to work together to create something completely different. So that's way bigger than just making sure people have are uh, provided food or a shelter to go live in. It's it's a, a bigger system of change, I think.
0: Yeah, I think that that's a that's an incredible analogy right there that he recognized in his company if we really want if we really want engaged and committed and and evangelistic employees here we need to we need to get them to seventy thousand dollars a year minimum so he did that even at the expense Mm -hmm. of his own income tripled the company and then the area that they were in they saw okay maybe we're experiencing some some minor theft of vehicles and stuff like that what's what, what what's going on here oh there's 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 problems with homelessness in our area what can we do to invest in our surrounding community to to help alleviate this and i'm sure that they took a really a multi-pronged approach for lack of a better term and you know figure it out well,
1: what, a couple thing that's interesting about it is I don't understand why more business leaders don't see that he tripled his business and say, aha, maybe that's a good idea. <laughs> and what's so interesting is even some of his employees that had been there longer, they were resentful at first because they had that mindset of they don't deserve as much where why would that matter to them? They're not gonna have their pay cut. You know. So it was, it was an adjustment about having social interest which means caring about what we're causing for the people around us. That's what I love about Dan Price. He's just such a solid example of that. But I also see that, like for example, I saw a video clip on social media about the NBA. And it says, is this a good idea or is this socialism? That's what the article was about. But the NBA, what they do is they operate in a uh, win-win type of collaborative, uh, set of, of systems. So even if they're uh, dealing with a smaller, <clears throat> excuse me, a smaller basketball team that's less recognized, less popular, less well-funded, they're going to make sure that all of those teams within the NBA are equally successful because they know that they can't be as successful if they become a monopoly you know, on, on basketball. And so they're all there to make sure everyone rises together. And that is Again, I'm like, why aren't more people seeing that? Because we do that in our work. One time we worked with a company that has, um, had hundreds of facilities that they worked in long-term care facilities as a, a, a rehab company. And we took 15 of their facilities and we helped them, they, the biggest challenge they had was they weren't getting enough billable hours for all their different therapists. And what the, the company was doing was using a lot of Gestapo tactics, putting little wristbands on them where they had to push the button when they were in a billable hour and then they'd get censured if they weren't getting billable hours. It was very, it became kind of cutthroat and fear, fear laden. And so when we came in, we taught them how to be results oriented as a collective. So all of the 15 facilities worked on helping one another to get the billable hours they needed so that everybody was able to focus on quality and was adequately supported instead of competing against each other for various things like patients and billable hours. And and they got an increased amount of billable hours because they changed the way that they were functioning as human beings. And it was aligned with who they most wanted to be as opposed to feeling like they were being you know, uh tracked and policed all the time,
0: yeah, yeah, nobody I can't imagine a single human being that would want to uh to be under that kind of scrutiny or Regime. control yeah <laughs> right yeah, <laughs> um in terms of go- going back to some of the people that that at um at gravity payments that that were resentful because they'd been there for a long time and they're looking at these newbies that are now making seventy grand, was that a challenge to their worthiness?
1: I think, yeah, I think that because people are so protective of am I okay, they judge how okay they are a lot of times by how far they've climbed the ladder. What's so beautiful about Dan Price as an example is he doesn't measure success that way. Success to him is being in a happy, healthy community, whether it's in his company or whether it's in his neighborhood that is a successful person and you can look at him and listen to him and you can see it. And I, don't, I know he's not the only one, he's just the one that stands sure. out for me. Um, but I, I think it all comes down to humiliation, inferiority, complex, sense of self. The only way we really get sense of self is when we care about what's happening to all of us. I really believe that. My, uh, one of my favorite remembrances of the Twilight Zone was a story about a guy who dies and he goes to, he sees these pearly gates with all these people smiling at him, you know, and they say, Oh, we're here to give you whatever you want. And every day he asks for more and more and more. I want a sports car, I want a mansion, I want money. And by the end of the week, he can't think of anything else he wants. And finally, he says to the people, I thought heaven would be a little more fun than this. And they said, Who said you're in heaven? Isn't that <laughs> a kicker? <laughs> Nice. You know, that, that I, don't, that's a, I think the only episode I remember of that show, but it just stuck with me because we're we're really doing that in our lives. We're climbing up that wrong ladder, Stephen Covey says, you know, we're 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 seeking success where it really isn't there. And it can um, that's why I think we can see movie stars or celebrities that overdose on drugs and die, even though they're beautiful, talented, acclaimed and all of that.
0: Yeah, that's a really powerful thing. The only time that we really get a sense of self is when we really care about everybody else.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it, it, if everything that, that you're talking about, it, it's, it's really resonating with me, and I'm thinking about how you can apply this in, 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 in just your family life with helping help. If, if, if Like I'm thinking about my son, James, he's four, and uh, he's giving me a run for my money, and I'm thinking about what can I do you know, to, to, to help him just just improve his situation, but it's with, with spouses and business partners and it's well, everything.
1: I'm glad you bring that up because I raised my family on this. And when they were three and four, I mean they're very intelligent at those ages and they're already trying to um, understand the way life works. So giving them a different picture of how the system of life can work is hugely valuable. We We did a lot of school reform projects where we worked with parents, teachers, school administrators, Uh, the students themselves, which most people don't include, and a, a cadre of the neighborhood. So all the stakeholders in the life of that child were involved in learning the tools and concepts. The difficult thing is that we were working in the most at-risk schools in the city of St. Louis, which is pretty difficult to do. I mean, these are schools with um, metal detectors. And so it was just hard to keep that funding going, even though we did like an $800,000 project and a $300,000 project. But recently, we went back to a proposal we had done for Build-A-Bear. And it was back when the founder was um, in St. Louis, Maxine Clark, and And we proposed a diversification for them because they have an outreach to all kinds of parents and all kinds of uh, people that have children, whether it's teachers or parents. And we said, why don't you create a new focus on build a healthy family, build a healthy school? That way, because when I was doing all of this, I didn't have friends and family that knew what the heck I was doing. I would have loved it if I could have, been able to talk to my kids' teachers and we would have all been on the same page about how to redirect negative behavior or how to communicate or how to increase this or that. And so we pitched that back in 2011. But because that particular company had been in such dire straits from the 2008 recession, they right when uh, Maxine wanted to go forward with us, she ended up selling the company instead because they were really getting close to being in the red. So we just went back to them this year and we proposed the same thing and we even sent them the, the presentation I did for Maxine and now they wanna talk in the first quarter of this year because I bet they're in the same straits they were in 2008 because their stores globally have taken big hits. And really, the community at large needs an intervention for parenting and, and educational reform around behavior Um, Like it, like more way more than it did in 2011. So we're hoping that maybe the time is right for that. But you're right. Human systems are applied everywhere. When we work in corporations, people tell us this is helping me at home with my kids. This is helping me with my neighbors or my relatives. And God knows a lot of people need that right now with what's happening politically. Right. (laughs) For sure help me not kill this person in my family, Right. you know? Um, And so uh, right now, uh, and when we work with parents and educators, they say, oh my gosh, this is helping me with my coworkers, because really good emotional intelligence and human systems are good everywhere. So you're absolutely right about that. And and I love four-year-olds, by the way. They have that crazy logic, like my uh, sister said to her son when he was four. can you? He had to go to the bathroom, and he goes, "Mommy, mommy, I have to go to the bathroom." She said, "Can you hold it?" And he said, "I can't reach it." I mean, that—that's that, yeah, the way. That's one. awesome. Yeah, that's <laughs> <Hilarious>. uh, <laughs>
0: That's that is amazing, right there. It's <laughs> f- fascinating, right? That that if if we're we're attempting to reform a school and educational system, and we're talking to everybody except for the kids. Um, that's a whole nother podcast right there. Yeah. So,
1: oh my gosh. you know, one time we were asked to demonstrate a family meeting cause that was one of the practices we did and we had the four year old run the meeting. She was either four or five and I asked the audience, how many of you are surprised that a four year old can run a meeting and they're like all raising their hand and I go, what you don't know is I'm a dominant mother who loves to steamroll little kids at times. <laughs> I had to learn how to be a good follower to a five or four year old, you know, and that's what's missing in a lot of companies there's a lot of people trending in the direction of what's called agile, enterprise agile, agile technology, you know, philosophy, and what they're recognizing is we don't have people that have confidence or sense of self, and they don't know how to lead or follow as the needs dictate. Oh, I'm not a leader, don't ask me to do that, right? And what we taught our kids was how to flex between both of those positions of leading and following so that they're not uncomfortable with either.
0: Love it. Well, Judy, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them?
1: All right. I would say I there's two things. One is I live my life from this motto, if it's not a hell yes, it's not a yes. Too many times we're sacrificing our own happiness because I should, I have to, I ought to. Mm. I was just asked this week if I wanted to be uh, put a chapter in some a book with a group of people, and I was like, I don't want to do that. I just knew it wasn't a hell yes. So I said, thank you so much, but no, thank you. And also, I, I, I mean, I'm at an age right now where one of the most valuable things I've learned is surround yourself with the people that make you happy and that enrich your mind and your heart. And the people that don't do that, if you have to be around them, be caring and respectful, but don't invest more than that in them because they will be a big drain on your energy. And, and it what happens is when you stop trying to be with those people, you open the space for the people that can and do uh, enrich your life and share your values, that sort of thing. So those are two huge things that I feel happy for having adopted.
0: Well I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets it, come on, come on. If it's not a hell yes, it is a no. Maybe even a hell no, Judy, I love it.
1: Yeah, sometimes.
0: (laughs) Sometimes, well thank you so much for coming back on. Uh, How can Savage Nation engage with you?
1: Well, there's lots of ways, but I would say the most helpful and easy way is to go on either our LinkedIn on just my LinkedIn, because I love to have that connection with people and I'd love to get to know them, um, invite them on our podcast and all kinds of things. But also our website has our phone number and our email addresses and everything. And it's uh, life work. Systems.com and I say it that way because everybody wants to call it Life Works Systems and it's not, it's lifeworksystems.com. And if you go on there, you'll find, you know, all the kinds of ways you can connect with us. And we'd love to get to know you.
0: Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this much as I did, show Judy your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. You can find Judy on LinkedIn as well as lifeworksystems.com. Thanks again, Judy.
1: Thank you, George. It's been a pleasure.
0: Always. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together.